Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. The eleventh chapter and the twenty-fifth verse. And you will find these words so written. At this time Jesus declared, I thank thee, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to babes. Yea, Father, for such was thy gracious will. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Lord, help us to understand for the sake of living today what we have just now read. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. For a long while, I had a friend that I met her late in her life, but I found her to be one of the most fantastic people uh, that I have ever met. She was such a such a great person. She had a great uh, yearning for life, and she lived it. And she was a hard worker and just a, a very wonderful person. But she had a handicap, and her handicap was that she could neither read nor write. Somehow, someway, when she was younger, her parents did not uh, see or understand the need for her to go to school. And she had no one to teach her how to read and write, could not even write her name. And so she spent the rest of her days with this type of handicap. But what a great person she was. And one day while talking to her, she said to me, Preacher said, uh, she didn't belong to the Methodist Church, but uh, she recognized me as a preacher because she worked for a friend of the family. Anyway, she said, Preacher said, uh, I need uh, some Bible stories to read. And do you have a book that I that I could get someone to read to me? I said, yes, I do have. And I have did at that time had uh, two of the most famous stories of the Bible written by Harold Booth. And I said, yes, I do have. And so I got one of those books and took to her. And and after about two or three weeks, I happened to see this a friend of mine that's gone out to her reward. And I said, um, well, how did you uh, how did you uh, how do you like those stories that uh, you've been reading? She says, you know, she says, that's the most fantastic thing that I have ever heard in my life. She says, especially the story about the three Hebrew children, the ones who were in the fiery furnace. She says, that's the most wonderful story that I have ever read in my life. She says, I don't care how hot this old furnace gets here on this earth. I know that the good Lord is going to deliver me. Glory. Hallelujah. 
And I mean, she felt it. She was tied up in it. She really believed it. And, and the emotional way that she was caught up in that thing was, was fantastic. I could see that she was really, uh, really appreciated and was really understanding what these stories meant to her right where she was living. And folks, I want to ask you a question. How long has it been since you've got excited about anything? How long has it been since you really got excited about your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? How long has it been since you've really got excited about your relationship with the church? You know, we go about this business of, of living in a way that God never intended for it to ever to be that way. You see, the most exciting thing that we have, of course, has been given to us of God, and that is life. That is life. Now, how do you go about this business of living? Do you find it to be an exciting thing, something to be involved in, something to be caught up in? Or do you see it as something that is drab and dull, and something that you can hardly drag one foot in front of the other one until it comes night, and then you don't want to get out of bed in the morning, and you say, oh my, do I have to face another one like I faced yesterday? Dragging yourself along. You know what? This is the most fantastic promise that has ever been made to you. I don't care what other fantastic promise has ever been made to you, and it really turned you on and made you feel good, made you feel wonderful, and made you feel like you wanted to live, and uh, whatever. Nothing stands above this that God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, has, has offered you. He has offered you something that is absolutely fantastic. Not too long ago, I happened to be over on Preston Street and ran into a fellow that I've known for for quite a while, and he's a pretty nice sort of a guy and has as much money as Ben Gump had in his day, I'm quite sure, but anyway, it was a real interesting situation that I ran into, because when I pulled into the place, there he was in his beautiful new limousine he had, a Cadillac, and here I was in, uh, in my uh, old van. <clears throat> now, some of you have tried to drive that van, and you know it doesn't go. You have to turn the steering wheel two or three times before you get to go in the right direction. And it sort of loops like that. It doesn't care what direction it goes in, really. And you know the, the tin miles have been in it, and it's sort of rusted out. It's sort of a disgrace, really, to be out on the road in the thing. But uh, I was out that day in it, and uh, he was picking up something. He said, I don't want to put this in my car. He says, now you take my car. And let me have your van for just about 20 minutes, and I'll run this out to the shop, and, and then uh, you go ahead and do what you have to do in my brand new car. Well, he didn't say it was brand new. He said, you take my car. And he gave me the keys. I found it brand new when I got in it, brand new Cadillac. Well, he took the van and took off, and I thought I'd never see him again. I didn't care whether I did or not because I had keys to his car. And, um, and, you know, I went over. I didn't go anywhere. I just sat in that beautiful car. And I just thought about just how, just how beautiful these cars are. I don't care whether it's Cadillac or any car you've got. They just make them so beautiful inside. And, you know, the push buttons and stereo and air conditioning, just the whole thing. They just sit there and, and just let the world go by. Now, wouldn't it have been wonderful if this friend of mine had come back and said, Now, preacher, listen, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take your old van and I'm going to give you my new car. <laughs> now, you, I thought, man, what a friend. Man, that's fantastic. That'd be wonderful. Now, let me tell you, friends, let me tell you something. 
Now I've said to tell you this story. To tell you that I want to tell you that Jesus Christ has offered you something, has offered you something this morning, and it's more fantastic than that could ever possibly be. Listen to what he says. He says, he's going to, he says, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke, now listen to it, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now what Jesus is saying, that I'm going to give you a Cadillac that's mine. Brand new. It's got everything on it. And I'm going to take that old rattle trap you've got, and I'm going to take it. Now you've got mine, it's yours, I'll give it to you. Now go on with the business of living, you see. Now I want to make an observation about that. Because this is an astounding statement to me. It is absolutely fantastic. Now, can you really believe what the Lord Jesus Christ said? Or do you doubt it? Do you think that Jesus is able to do what he said he would do? Now, off the top of our head, this top part of our religion, we say, that's right. Now, he's capable of doing it. But have we arrived at the place where this, this friend of mine that could neither read nor write, and had to have someone else to read the story for. Have we arrived at the place to see and to know that Jesus is talking about you? And that if he were, if he said that, that the scripture says that he delivered the, the three Hebrew children from the fiery furnace. And that he can deliver you from the furnace, whatever it is that you're in today. Now you see, if we are not caught up in that and if we just say, mm-hmm, yeah, well, you see, we... You know, our religion is not just to be only mentally up here, but that's important. Uh, but uh, we are to feel it from time to time. It is to mean something to us. We're, we, we, God intended for us to be a total person, not just cold, calculated facts, but to respond to those facts with some type of emotional, emotional return. Is there another thing I want to say about this? And that is the Lord Jesus Christ was talking to people right down in the nitty-gritty of where we live each and every day. He was talking to men and women who are involved in the realities of living today. He was talking to people who stand up and try to carry burdens, weary, tired, worn out, frustrated. This is the kind of people that Jesus was talking to, you see. And he was talking to, and I'm glad he included this. I'm glad it says all, everyone. You know, in the society that you and I live in today, we come along here and and we read something wonderful and something beautiful like this, and and we we begin to immediately rationalize and tone it down, and we think, well, now, uh, yes, he was talking to my neighbor, and he's talking to my friend, but he's really not talking to me because you see, I know my own heart and soul, and I know what. To, devilish thoughts run around in there and I and I know how I'm swept with all the fierce forces that uh, uh, that come and go and and he's talking about someone that doesn't have those kind of feelings and thoughts now that's not right my friend he's uh, especially they talking to you uh, who have uh, those kind of feelings and frustrations he's talking to people who have a need he is talking to people like you and me. He is, he is talking to all of us. You are no exception to this rule. I was in a grocery store two or some time ago. Well, it has been quite a while ago. I lose track of time. But anyway, it seemed to me that this guy had won something, or he thought he had. 
And so he was up talking to the manager, I suppose, of the store and, and explained to him that he had won something. And the manager, I heard the manager, when he looked at it, he said, well, he said, yes, you did. He says, but that was like two weeks ago. You don't qualify today, you see. You, know. you see, we, we make laws and rules and regulations. We have groups and clans and, and all this sort of stuff. And we, we include some people and leave a lot of people out. But when God does something, he does it beautifully, wonderfully, and he says, every one of you. There's no exceptions here this morning what I'm talking about. Now, friend, let me tell you, if you think you're going away from here and you think you're an exception to what I'm talking about this morning, you're just not. You just go out of here and you've lived in a poor, poverty-stricken way. And you don't have to take the beautiful Cadillac that God, through Christ, has to offer to you. You can still run that old junky thing that you're putting up with. Or you can come to the place where you said, I'm going to do it. I am going to do it. You see, it takes every one of us. Every living one of us. Now I take note too <clears throat> of the attitude of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever had this experience? Someone give you something or offer you something, and they do it with such a you know, such a nasty way that you don't feel like taking it. And it's not that way with Jesus, you see. You see, Jesus, look, he says, What well, I'm meek and lowly. Now what he is really trying to say here is one and the same thing. He is saying that I stand where you stand. I stand where you stand. It's a true, honest, sincere desire. And I speak for Jesus. It is a, it is a, it is a sincere desire on my part to have a part in your life. I, I'm not in some far off place looking down on you. I'm not in some mighty place given you something as as one would give someone that uh, that had pity on someone or someone uh, in this type of position. Uh, I, I'm not in a far off way. I, I walk where you walk. I want to walk precisely with you where you are right now. That's what Jesus is saying, and that's what this carries when He says that He meek and lowly. He comes to you in the spirit that your spirit can understand and a spirit in which you can receive him completely and wholly. Walk with you right where you are at this very, at this very moment. I think about those two men. The story was told me whether so or not I do not know, but I can understand it to be so. Two men had been out fishing all day, but that the closing day were supposed to come in and have at, at the lodge of where they were fishing on the lake, they were supposed to have dinner with their, with their wives. And so the wives met them down at the dock, and they came in out of the boat, and one wife looked over the other and says, Now, let's tell them to walk about ten steps behind us up to the lodge so no one will think that we're with them because they look so bad. You say, Well, they look like they was out fishing. Well, isn't that the thing that Jesus is saying? I'm going to walk, let you walk behind me, and I'm going to walk ahead of you. I'm going to put you ahead of me and I'm going to walk behind you. Jesus is saying here, if I understand what this scripture is saying, the real thing is saying there's a deep desire within my heart and my soul that we recognize as love and I want to accept you right where you are and walk with you right where you are today. Isn't that beautiful? Now, let me say a word to you about the burden. 
Jesus Christ knew exactly what he was talking about uh, when he was talking about uh, you that uh, are burdened, you that uh, labor and are heavy laden, and that's exactly what he was talking about, sum it up, that you carry a great burden. Now, Jesus knew exactly what he was talking about. He came from a carpenter's shop, and in those days, the responsibility of the carpenter to hew out those great massive yokes that the cattle carried around in order to pull or to carry whatever load uh, that they had to pull or to carry. And I'm quite sure that Jesus Christ was very familiar with those yokes that did not fit the poor old animal and had caused uh, the old animal a lot of pain and agony like you wouldn't believe. And he is saying, in effect, that that's his yoke that you carry these burdens with is easy. It fits properly. Now, folks, one of the greatest revelations I think that I've ever had in the last two or three weeks came to me right at this point. Because I think that in... Yes, no, I don't think that's wrong. I know that this is what Jesus is saying to us. You see, he is saying that this, that this life that we have has been cut to fit these souls of ours. Now, I want you to think about that for just a moment. You see, he is saying what God has given to us to the Lord Jesus Christ is precisely what we need. He hasn't given us too much. He hasn't given us too little. He has cut life just to fit this soul of mine that God created and called into existence. Now, you may think he has put too much on you. Or he's given you too little. Uh, but to this burden, this carrying this life that he's talking about has been cut to fit your soul. Oh, what kinds of burdens is the Lord Jesus Christ talking about? Well, I don't have to guess too much about it. I know that precisely what the Lord Jesus Christ is talking about. I know that he was talking about a religious burden. Now, if you think you've got a religious burden today, you should live back then. They had a law for everything. In fact, it was so much so that the Jewish people thought uh, that if they could keep the law for one day without breaking the law, that the Messiah would come. Well, we're almost back to that again. We come today. Folks, do you find your do you find your religion a burden? Do you find your churchmanship a burden? Well, if you do, I want to talk to you because Jesus has got something to say to you at this very point. You see, it was never intended, never the intent of God for this thing that we know of salvation to be a burden to you. And if you find it to be a burden, something is wrong somewhere, someplace, somehow, either in your approach to it or because you're looking at it wrong. Because you see, Jesus is saying that what I have to give to you is better than that thing that you're carrying around is like. And what I give to you is going to be easy and it's going to be pleasant. I think about this lady I went to see one time, and this is an experience I've never had one like it, and hope I never have another like it again. But I went to see this uh, lady and uh, asked her to make a commitment uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ and commit herself to him through the church. So I happened to be the preacher of it at that time, and she said in, in a long conversation, the, the whole heart of it was, she said, no. She's telling the truth in the situation. The preacher said, I've been married to three men already, and well, maybe please any of the three. And if I commit myself like this to the Lord Jesus Christ, I couldn't please him either. And just, I, you know, I'm just not, not going to do it. And she didn't. And there wasn't anything I could do to help her to see that in a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ would help her to be in all these other relationships what she needed to be. 
but she could never sit that way. Anxious about fears. All kinds of fears. What happened yesterday? What didn't happen? What might happen today? What won't happen? What might happen tomorrow? And what won't happen tomorrow? And so we go around at this business of living uh, just scared to death all the time. Too afraid to live and too scared to die. What a dilemma to be in. Jesus is talking about the anxieties of life. That's a burden, you see. And he's saying, now the thing that you're carrying around, the way you go about it, is just devastating. He says, but I've got something better for you. He says, mine will fit you better. It'll be easier. And you need to swap with me. Oh, if we could only believe that. Oh, if we could only believe that. Oh, if we could only believe what the Lord Jesus Christ is telling us. I agree with my friend. Let me tell you something. If the Lord God Almighty was able to free the three Hebrew children from the fiery furnace, there is nothing here that I face that God can't take care of if and when he chooses to do so. And folks, that's, that's a fact. Now another thing that we carry around as a burden is a guilt feeling, broken conscience. My goodness. We sometimes wake up in shock to, to find that uh, we're who we are and what we are and we wonder how the good Lord could love us. And we realize there are some things we did yesterday we had no business of doing. And some things we didn't do yesterday that we should have done. And so when we think about all of that and think about what might happen tomorrow, and we come to the day and we're so guilt-ridden that we couldn't make the most of this opportunity if someone would give us a new Cadillac, you see. Can't do it. Because I am so tired of, what do you think God came for? What do you think God sent Christ for? In order that you and I might be free to live, to go and to come and to be the type of person that we have an opportunity of being today. Now, friends, how am I going to do this? How am I going to accept what Lord Jesus Christ, this, this, great, this great gift? How am I going to give him what, what I have, this burden that I'm carrying around? And how can I accept his? Well, start out, Wes, just believe what the Lord Jesus Christ is telling you. Just, just haul off and believe it. What do you got to lose? What do you got to lose? Trust it. And then secondly, I would say, act upon it. Act upon it. Just go ahead and act upon it. Start living it. Start living it. Now I picked up something in one of our magazines, Christianity Today, by Malcolm Muggeridge. He is, uh, probably never heard tell him, but he is a man from London, England, and he's hobnob with all the great people of the world. Now he's come to the place where he's retired, and he was uh, a man that has written many, many, many articles. And was never known too much, uh, I discovered, up until this time, for anything religious at all. He was just, just out there in the world. I didn't think of him being a religious person at all. Until I picked up this article. Now, folks, I want to tell you, here's a man who's coming to the end of his way. Now I want you just just listen in closing. Just, just think about what this man has to say. And I'm just going to read part of the article to you. He is older now and retired. He says, I feel strongly at the end of my life that nothing can happen to us. You would think a preacher was talking, you know, listen to me. Nothing can happen to us in any circumstances that is not part of God's purpose for us. Therefore, we have nothing to fear except that we should, except that we should rebel 
against his purpose, that we should fail to detect it and fail to establish some sort of relationship with him and his divine will. On that basis, there can be no, no, be no black despair, no throwing in of the hand. We can watch the institutions and social structures of our time collapse. And I think you who are young are fated to watch them collapse, and we reckon with what seems like an irresistible growing power of materialism and a materialistic society in our world today. But this is not the end of the story. As St. Augustine said when he received the news in Carthage, the Roman Empire had been sacked. Well, if that happened, it's a great catastrophe. But we must never forget that the earthly cities that men build, they destroy. But there is also the city of God, which men do not build, and men cannot destroy. When you're old as I am, there are all sorts of extremely pleasant things that happen to you. For one, you realize that the history, that history is nonsense. But the pleasant thing of all this that you wake up in the night and you find that you are half in and half out, out of your battered old carcass. It seems quite a toss-up whether you will go back and resume full occupancy of your mortal body or make off toward the bright glow you see in the sky, the lights of the city of God. And this limbo between life and death, you know beyond any shadow of doubt that as an infinitesimal part of God's creation, you are a participant in God's purpose for his creation and his purpose of loving and not hating, as creative and not destructive, as everlasting and not temporal, as universal and not particular. With this certainty comes an extraordinary sense of comfort and joy. Nothing needs shake that feeling. All that happens in the world, including the most terrible disaster and suffering, will be seen in eternity in some mysterious way as a blessing, as part of God's love. Only insofar as we belong to that love does our existence have here any reality or any word. The rest is fantasy. Whether the fantasy of power that we see in the authoritarian state around us, our fantasy of the great liberal death wish in terms of affluence and self-indulgence, the essential and necessary feature of life is to know reality, which means is to know God. Now, folks, I can do no better than that. I want to tell you something that this offer that the Lord Jesus Christ has made to us is real, is positive, and you and I can enter into it at this very moment and be a part of what God has done now and for time to come. And I want to tell you there isn't anything upon the face of this God-given earth that can shake this confidence of yours. If you will do, and accept the invitation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, like Paul, would like to say that I too am persuaded 
that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. O oh, our Father, help us then to see something of the greatness and the glory of life today, for we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of his words, finishing the work he started in making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.